This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon and welcome to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Dashran Johan alongside Sharad Kutten. Um, we are continuing our coverage of GE15 today as many things are still developing. So just before we get into that, just a quick uh, recap of the results. Pakatan Harapan won 82 seats, Prikatan National 73 seats, Barisa National 30 seats, GPS 22 seats. If you want to include GRS there as well, there's six seats, another six seats for GRS. So... Um, Elections of two seats, as we know, Baram and Parang Sarai are on, are on hold because of the death of a candidate um, prior to the elections. That's for Parang Sarai and also for Baram, there was flooding. So the race is to 111. Now, early today, the palace postponed the deadline to, uh, you know, basically come up with the majority to tomorrow. We have until tomorrow. Um, this morning, there was some apparent deal between Barisan National and Pakatan Harapan. So we're going to discuss whether this deal will last. Uh, by tomorrow. Um, so all of that is going to be unpacked right now. Joining us on the show today is Bridget Welch. Dr. Bridget Welch is an honorary research associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia's Asia Research Institute. Welcome to the show, Bridget. How are you doing? Great. It's a, it's a new day uh, and uh, the, the dynamics are pointing towards the Harapan government. Now, Bridget, the palace has postponed the cutoff time to 2 p.m. tomorrow. Will the Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National deal survive the next 24 hours? Well, I'm not a fortune teller, but I but I will say that I think there are um, some important indicators uh, that it looks promising. Uh, so the the first first uh, indicator is that um, uh, there they made a public announcement acknowledging that there's a, at least from the BN side. Um, number two, uh, they are talking terms, and so these this is why there is this delay because they're negotiating a, a, you know a, an agreement, a written agreement in this process, and um, uh, and I. Think think that that specifies looking at um, who gets what gets certain sets of positions and so forth. Um, and number three, there looks like there are other people who are joining the fray uh, from the perspective of increasing the numbers for Pakatan Harapan. But there are two problems. Um, uh, oh, sorry. In joining the fray, I, mean, I should have said that it looks like we're good, they're going to get some more support from different uh, parties in Sabah. So that will be for the numbers. Um, in terms of the, the problem areas, the, um, the first problem area is, of course, uh, as everyone knows, that of the 30 uh, BN seats, there are at least um, minimally three, maybe seven or eight um, that are unhappy with this deal. Uh, that they're unhappy with the deal for two reasons. Uh, number one is that some uh, some people don't want to be um, uh, uh, know that they're not comfortable working with with um, in the circumstances of being in the in a um, in the in a working with PH right. So generally, um, but also um, they. There are people who are unhappy with Zahid Hamidi and Zahidi's control, and so this is the way that they are posing Zahid Hamidi. And then there are also people who are in the in Amno who know that they would get positions in a PN government that will not be getting positions in the potential Pakatan Harapan government, and this affects their ability to to rise within the ranks within context of the upcoming election for Amno, the party so, election. Sorry, Bridget, can I jump in and ask you, uh, unhappiness in the past. 
class from factionalism within political parties. Now, does that still have the same power as it because of the anti-hopping law? Are they constrained because of it? So I was actually, I'm not a lawyer, so I think this is something we need to explore more. But I was asking uh, questions before this session um, to get some legal opinions about uh, what are the dynamics in terms of uh, the implementation of the law? You know, the law has not been tested, as you obviously know. And then there's also this issue of whether or not they'll still be in parliament or whether or not they'll have the recall elections in that process. Sorry. So they may be, for example, um, uh, uh, kicked out of their party, uh, but they may still be a member of parliament in that context and not have a uh, not have an ele uh, election for that particular constituency or another election. So that means they're still in the numbers game in terms of the overall process. Um, I understand that you know there are still some gaps of things that have not been uh, you know all the I's and dotted and T's have not been uh, sorted out in terms of the implementation of the law. Um, but the long and short of it uh, is that. Uh, they would be they potentially would be sacked from their party um, and they may even not necessarily be sacked from, you know, they may not they may just suspend them. So we have to see how the, the parties will handle the, those who are the renegades. It's a minimum of three of the BNMPs who are unhappy. It's maximum to seven to eight is what I was told that might be in that. The person who's in the middle group is Ismail Sabri. How have um, negotiations for the state level, Bridget, impacted horse trading at the federal level? Because as we know, Pakatan Harapan and BN agreed to form a government in Pera and Pahang. Well, I think um, uh, there have been these parallel conversations that have been taking place over the last two days. Uh, so these conversations uh, have um, you know, been ongoing uh, from the perspective of trying to reach some sort of traction. Um, and now that there is this kind of this federal push, that this has basically pushed the things at the state level. Perak is a bit different than Pahang. Perak is um, uh, is it, driven by the fact that there are there, they had a working relationship with UMNO in the past there. So they had and they were able to organize themselves on their own and have a kind of direct type of the conversation started very early in Perak, uh, almost a day, you know, before, as soon as the results were coming in. So that was a kind of, um, and the federal relationships have been a green light, but we saw these things going on irrespective in Perak. Pahang took a little time, uh, a harder time to start up the conversations, I understand. But what's interesting is that what has been clear is that there's so much anger at National among BN in Pahang that they have have moved towards um, uh, Pakatan Harapan, and I think you know BN did not expect to lose the state lose the state government or to even have a hung parliament circumstances in Pahang as as emerged, and so they are you know I think that uh, they are definitely very happy to be moving in a different direction um, uh, from the perspective of their relationship. Bridget, you mentioned Sabah just now as numbers uh, going for Pakatan Harapan. Abang Joe, he's got dissent within his coalition, unhappy that uh, his support for Pakatan was not discussed within the coalition. What do you see? GPS, Bonio Block, Bonio Block dead now? Um, Borneo Block was never really quite um, a block yet. Uh, it was There was a lot of blocking inside that block um, in that context. <laughs> I would say that um, there was, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a ad hoc type of situation. Um, 
I think that Abang Joe did not consult his four coalition partners well. And I think what happened in the in the last day and a half is that there was tremendous pressure placed on uh, uh, the different coalition partners from churches, from uh, business organizations uh, and others. And so, you know, the decision uh, that Abang Joe made at the very beginning was driven by personality relationships. His relationship with Anwar is not good. His relationship with Muid and Yassin was very was good, is better. And so, um, and we can see that they quickly formed the uh, they kind of went public in that relationship, and and then the consequences and the implications of that were not there. So also, you know, the SUPP, who is the Chinese component party party inside GPS, you know, they have very strong views over DAP. Um, and I think that that was also, uh, you know, the kind of personal antagonism of, of partners was also driving that. Uh, uh, that was part of that. But subsequently, now there is this talk. Of, we've seen more attention to ideology and to differences. Um, and so and that is kind of really sort of set in. And, I, uh, you know, my initial reaction to GPS's decision that this would put this would potentially uh, put pressure on GPS as a coalition. Um, especially its direct partners, uh, and especially um, uh, you know implicitly it's part of SUPP because I think that uh, uh, there are many there's a large Christian community among the Chinese community in Sarawak, um, and so I think that this is something that is not uh, that is I think is going to continue to evolve. Um, GPS may end up. Um, um, may end up being more neutral in this process. Um, and I think the other thing that is happening uh, besides what's going on with GPS is that that this is the big challenge, right? How do you work with people who were previously and who are your political competitors, and at the same time, are um, they have to deal with their political base? So there are uh, there are conversations involving potential CSAs that are taking place, uh, or potential kind of um, a, a, you know abstinence, basically neutral positions, not forming one side or the other, being a different opposition block. So the these are the part of the reasons why these there's the terms are actually being discussed quite extensively. Bridget, you mentioned the ideological differences and, and all of that, right? I'm wondering um, if political leaders of various coalitions can sell their deal to their base um, because, you know, prior to elections, we had the whole, you know, a vote for KJ is a vote for Zahid, for example. I think, um, you know, what is happening here is that uh, um, I think there are, two, there, there, there are two types of base here, right? There's the base within your party, right? So can you, getting your party members to join. Um, I do think there were, in the last day or two, there's been extensive conversations in many of Pakatan Harapan parties to talk about this issue. So within the DAP, they had meetings to talk to their different ground, their base, to talk to it. And there is resistance to, among the, uh, and there are, there are reservations. And it's not about personality. It's about whether or not we should be working with these people in terms of uh, uh, issues of corruption, issues of governance. You know, these are longstanding um, uh, political opponents, and there and there are reasons for those questions about opposition. Um, I think that the leadership has taken a position that uh, you have one, you have a choice of either working with one or working with the other, uh, which is either Harapan or 
or you have a power international government. So what? So people are put between that place. But I think that this goes back to the question I was raising earlier, is what's in the details of the agreements that can accommodate the concerns of different coalition party actors in this area? Then the second question is, how do you sell it to the public, which is implicitly in what you were asking about? And here, this is something that I think uh, uh, has to be, you know, the, the issues that are being discussed in terms of the terms. You know, um, uh, for example, it, it it is clearly not palatable to put uh, Zahid Hamidi in in cabinet. <laughs> Uh, it's not palatable from the perspective of uh, of uh, the public and also even within UMNO, perhaps. Uh, and in order to keep some of those actors within UMNO uh, that that are more that are less that are more uh, resistant to wanting to be part of this coalition. Um, but I think, and you know, what is part of the deal? Will people, the public, will ask that question, right? You know, is it involving his legal case? Uh, all of these sets of issues that are think that. I, I, uh, that are not clear now, but but I think what's different now in Malaysian politics compared to the past is that the people expect more accountability. Bridget, we, right. sorry, Bridget, we have just about two minutes left with you. And I, I want to ask you uh, a point. We, I know we're going to come back to you in the next 24 hours. If, uh, is it in uh, Barisan National Amno's best interest to side with PH because PN is, in fact, its main competitor today? The answer to that shortly is yes. And I also think that BN cannot um, uh, deal with its issues of reform uh, um, without having some access to resources, which would, which would be playing part of the government. Uh, if they were with PN, um, it would be... Um, uh, they probably be much more of a secondary role. Now they have a kind of they've come in into it a, a different. They are still going to be in a secondary role, but they're still going to be the largest voice for the Malay vote uh, from the uh, in in a in a government in Harapan, uh, as opposed to being second in terms of Malay legitimacy in a PN government. And on that note, as always, Bridget, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Dr. Bridget Welch. She's an honorary research associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia's Asia Research Institute. All right, we do need to go for a very quick break. After the break, Ibrahim Sufyan of the Merdeka Centre joins us to continue this discussion. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan alongside Sharad Kutten and we are continuing our coverage of GE15 today as the formation of a federal government is still up in the air. So the three coalitions have become the main stakeholders in negotiation. These are the numbers. We are talking PH82 seats, PN73 seats, Barisan National 30 seats, GPS and GRS are anchors of the Borneo block and they have 28 seats together. Um, but as Dr. Bridget said before the break, they are not quite a block just yet. So, as we know from earlier today, top leadership from political parties, namely Barisan National and some members of Pakatan Harapan, met up at a hotel to uh, negotiate some deals. We are going to be discussing that right now with Ben Sufyan of Merdeka Centre. Welcome to the show, Ben. Um, uh, Free Malaysia Today just reported that Perikata National has submitted um, SDs of, from 112 um, MPs. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, from what I understand, they have gathered uh, more than 112 SDs and that has been submitted to the king. Um, so now I suppose we have to wait whether or not uh, the uh, leader of Pakatan Harapan can also conjure a similar sort of number. 
uh, and whether or not uh, there's any overlaps there. And so this drama continues. Meanwhile, we see that the palace has extended the deadline to tomorrow afternoon. Um, that's all I think I, I can see right now. But uh, I think the SDs are quite uh, real. Uh, and also some Amno leaders like Hishamuddin Hussein On has actually come out to say that uh, he doesn't want to work with Pakatan Harapan and and willing to face the consequences. Right. Before we get into the consequences of actually uh, taking a position different from the, the head of Barasa National, Said Hamidi or Amno, uh, do you think, uh, in your estimation, uh, the PHBN deal, which was touted all morning as the, as the deal, can survive the next 24 hours? Well, I suppose it depends. Uh, in the statement from uh, Zaid Hamidi as the BN chair, uh, the last paragraph appears to be quite strongly worded that uh, he purports that the MPs uh, had agreed when they were nominated to follow, to abide by the party directive. And if uh, they uh, don't follow, if they uh, violate that, they risk uh, being um, you know, sacked from the party and therefore the seat will fall vacant. So, it did, you know, we are not sure how far uh, he's willing to act on such a threat. Uh, so, remains to be seen. But uh, I think it does indicate that not everyone in BN is keen to go with Pakatan Harapan uh, and therefore BN itself is split. Uh, what the proportions are, I'm not sure, but it does appear to be split significantly. So some people think that, in fact, sacking would be to the advantage of the renegades. Uh, by sacking, they become independents. Well, if they, he keeps them within the bloc, within the party, he's actually got much more control because of the anti-hopping law. What's yeah, your reading? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, he's hoping to uh, maintain the renegades within the party. And, uh, you know, the threat of sacking means, uh, you know, they, they, they might have to re retest or re go through... Uh, the elections again, and you know that's that's a whole other game. And since there's a few of them, uh, it may not be so easy for Barisan National. Ben, we touched on the 112 MPs that sent the uh, the, the SDs to the palace. Do we get a sense of? who makes up this 112 numbers um, because, you know, there, there is this whole BN relationship with PN seems to be, you know, not very good right now and, and BN seems to be working with Harapan. So where is this 112 coming from? Do you get a, have a sense of that? Yeah, I mean, Barisan National won uh, 30 seats uh, and therefore out of this 30, if one were to just, you know, uh, do simple arithmetic, there's probably 17 or 18 MPs uh, that constitute this group that wants to go with Prikatan National. Uh, and I think earlier this morning, somebody was uh, pushing around uh, the purported names. So I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but uh, I mean, it's quite clear there is a split in the party. And uh, I think the bigger proportion is leaning towards Prikatan National and then uh, another group, slightly smaller, perhaps uh, 12 people or so is with uh, Zahid Hamidi and leaning towards Pakatan Harapan. Uh, I think at some point, uh, this matter has to be resolved because otherwise AMNO itself will be torn asunder. So there's trouble uh, in other coalitions too. GPS uh, reports that Abang Joe is under pressure from his coalition partners because he, as it were, as they, they feel, jumped the gun uh, and threw a lot in with Perikatan. Uh, what, what do you see happening across the South China Sea? 
Well, I think over there, it's only GPS that has come across. The other parties is about holding still. Uh, I hear unconfirmed uh, rumours uh, that, you know, the three MPs from Warisan is willing to go with Pakatan Harapan. Uh, we're not sure about the other parties there because some of the AMNO MPs include uh, members of parliament from Sabah as well. Um, so, yeah, I think at this point, if depends on what the process goes. If the uh, palace accepts these SDs, then, you know, it also complicates things because what happens next? Will the party sack these individuals? Uh, or, or will the party be split? Uh, so, you know, so that the problem isn't solved by just the statutory declaration. Some kind of uh, resolution that involves uh, the whole party needs to be arrived at in the coming days. Um, ben, you know, which, you know, there are very f- various permutations now that could take place um, anchored either by BN or Pakatan, uh, sorry, PN or Pakatan Harapan. Which, sta- how stable do you see these various permutations? Which would, you know, come up with the most stable government, so to speak? Well, I think, you know, we are not going to get, uh, you know, hyper-stable government as we used to in the past decade. This is uh, entirely uncharted territory now. Uh, so I think you know what what probably will happen is is uh, you know to what extent in order to gauge the potential for stability one has to see what level at what level can the interests of the participating parties be maintained uh, at what level can the compromise be made I think in the current context AMNO being used to uh, becoming the senior party will have trouble adjusting being the most junior partner in a Perikatan-led coalition because PAS is certainly going to demand uh, more important positions in the cabinet for themselves. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if AMNO or Barisan National joins uh, Pakatan Harapan, they probably can gain more concessions, they can extract more because they will be providing the Malay component to the government and uh, they can also then demand uh, more critical positions. So from a standpoint of interest, uh, it suits perhaps uh, Barisan National better in being with Pakatan Harapan. And therefore, if they are content with that position, it might end up being a more stable coalition. Uh, so can I, yeah, ben, can I ask, yeah, can I ask you about that? Because uh, accepting these uh, different coalitions is, is hard for everybody. Everybody seems to be equally unhappy. How do you think uh, Anwar is in terms of selling this deal with Zayed to his base? Yeah, that's going to be trouble as well. So I was talking to some of my friends who are Pakatan Harapan supporters. There's a great deal of grief if they have to work with Barisan National, you know. Um, so can't please anyone, anyone, no, nobody's going to be pleased with this. Uh, but I suppose, you know, is what you do, if they are able to get the mandate, then what do they do with it? Uh, I think it's, it's something that takes time, but there's definitely going to be unhappiness because just uh, a day or two ago, uh, Zahid was the object of ridicule and vilification, you know, symbol of all that's wrong with Barisan National. And suddenly now you're in bed with them. So, yeah, it's certainly this political gymnastics uh, are leaving the supporters of both sides very frustrated and potentially angry. Um, ben, earlier today we found out that um, deals have been, struck, uh, have been struck on a state level in Pera and Pahang. Um, despite Perikatan National having the biggest block, um, BN and uh, uh, BN and Perikat, uh, Pakatan Harapan have come together to form the governments. What um, impact will that have on a national level? 
Well, I think that impact certainly will influence how they uh, think through uh, forming this federal government. Uh, I think at the state level, they've already had some kind of accommodation, especially in Pera, even before this, when they unseated uh, Chief Minister Faisal Azumu uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So that has already been, there's already been some kind of tacit cooperation there. And this is an extension. So now they're forming a coalition government together. Uh, but I think nationally, uh, I think the leaders in AMNO are, are really at pains because uh, the real fear is beyond looking at their personal interests. The real fear is that how do they explain this to their supporters? Um, because uh, the concern is they will lose further the Malay base that has been eroded on the elections. They might lose simply because they're teaming up with Pakatan Harapan and they have to deal with the DAP bogeyman that they created all these years. So if we look at, say, Pera, for instance, as you said, they have a long-standing thing. But this is a situation where the largest coalition, the largest party, uh, you know, after the results, didn't isn't getting to uh, form the government. I understand that the palace has made some uh, gestures towards uh, forms of inclusion or the presence of uh, Perikata National uh, at the state level. What do you understand about the complexities of the Pera deal? Well, I think from what I'm just uh, reading through, the the Perak situation, you know, basically is just, you know, these two parties have agreed to work together and therefore the Sultan has called them to form government. The uh, same situation actually unfolded in um, 2008 when at that time, you know, Pakatan Rakyat was not a formal arrangement and PKR, PAS and DAP uh, constituted uh, as a group won more seats. And yet the biggest share of seats actually went to AMNO at that time, Barisan National at that time. But the Sultan, uh, you know, gave the uh, the three opposition parties the right to form the government. So I suppose it's a pragmatic way out and to see that whoever that can command majority gets to form state government without yeah. looking into, you know, actual numbers. Right. The, the previous administration, uh, Ben, was uh, was UMNO-led, supported by PH, but there weren't many PH, or, or any, as I believe, uh, PH uh, members on the EXCO. Do you think this time round, there will have to be a proper BNPH EXCO? I think so. I think now it will be a formal, a formal uh, coalition government, and therefore there will be uh, PH exco members in the state government. In the last round, it was just basically a CSA. So now uh, I think they will form part of the administration. All right, Ben, um, we have to wrap up this conversation because we're going to be crossing over to a press conference by Pakatan Harpan. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was Ben Sufian of the Merdeka Centre. Bold, fearless Malaysia. BFM 89.9. The business station. So we've got some recap um, on the press conference. Um, so the discussion of this whole thing, according to Anwar, was on the basis of stability. And he says that there will be represent in this new government, there'll be representation from all regions of Malaysia. Um, key issues he's focusing on or the coalition will focus on is stability, focus on economy, gover governance and inclusive government. Yeah, I think what was also very interesting, uh, Dash, was that uh, he didn't call it a page government. He's 
he's, you know, uh, he said this was going to be a unity government. So again, in the style of Ismail Sabri, you know, who said would clog a Malaysia government, you have this unity government as a way of giving identity to these negotiations. Yes, and he was saying that in response to people asking, how are you going to manage public expectations? This whole uh, one vote for so-and-so is a vote for BN, loads of antagonism right there before the elections. Um, Anwar said, you know, and I quote, we have to move on. Like, you know, we have to move on. There's a processes involved. Right. And also, of course, addressing some of the anxieties among PH supporters that there is no, uh, there were no unreasonable conditions, as he said, attached to uh, these negotiations with Barisan National, apart from the question of adequate representation and no interference in judicial, uh, the judiciary or the judicial process with regard to cases that uh, some of the leaders of Barisan National are under. Yes. Um, on the question of what's the likeliness of this government actually coming to play, Anwar said he is optimistic. He doesn't. He didn't. He, he didn't mention like confident, hundred percent, or anything like that. He also mentions that for now he is still the prime minister candidate. So we'll be back for more discussion on these, uh, you know, uh, unfolding events after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM eighty nine point nine. Burden free Malaysia, BFM eighty nine point nine. The Business Station. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan alongside Sharad Kutin and we're continuing our coverage of GE15 today as the formation of the federal government is still up in the air. So loads of drama to unpack. Joining us on the show to do exactly that is William Case. He's a professor and head of School of Politics, History and International Relations at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia campus. Welcome to the show, William. What did you make of the um, press conference by uh, Pakatan Harapan earlier just a few minutes ago? Yeah, can you give me a quick recap on that? Can you tell me what the... What, okay, what's but William, the, the central point is that um, uh, Pakatan Harapan is calling its negotiations the formation of a unity government. Right. Could, did you anticipate this and the fact that Pakatan and Barisan are in uh, talks for a unity government? No, I did not anticipate that, actually. I mean, there had been so much enmity between these parties for so very long. Um, and now what makes this possible, I suppose, is that uh, UMNO is itself collectively in a very vulnerable position, uh, gravely weakened beyond uh, anything that we had expected. And uh, in consequence, uh, dealing from this position of weakness, um, it is factionalized. And in consequence, in its divisions, and we hear that there's very bad blood between uh, different sides different size within the party now, but both of them, of course, want to cling to power, but uh, are pulling in opposite directions. So, uh, you know, what had been uh, the mighty UMNO is now itself uh, become something very different. And uh, this is uh, one of the great surprises of the election, of course. Um, William, you mentioned the animosity um, heading to, uh, you know, all these years between Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National. What do you make of um, what Anwar said? And what he said during the press conference is that he recognizes all of that, but we have to move on because this is the situation that we are in. Um, we have to make a decision. Well, um, that's taking pragmatism to a whole new level, I guess. But uh, you can understand what the motivations for this would be. Um, I mean, uh, the, the kind, of, the way in which they will try to uh, justify or to sell um, this strategy would probably be that, uh, look, you know, this is not a perfect world. Um, we're going to do the best that we can. We will manage uh, these internal forces uh, effectively uh, and in consequence can hope to go on then and uh, and uh, operate a, a reasonable government. Uh, that's, I think that's pro 
Our ideals are intact. Um, we know what our policy agenda is. Uh, this will certainly be for the benefit of the, of the country. And uh, look, we've had to make some hard choices here. And, and of course, you can say too that, uh, you know, sure, we're getting into bed with some unsavory elements here. But, uh, you know, again, excuse that in the name of unity. Uh, yeah, uh, William, uh, Para is often seen as a leader in the country. We had a confidence supply agreement between uh, Barisan National and a PH in Para. Now they are forming a government. The, the MB is going to be sworn in at 5 p.m., BN and PH. Do you think that this is, in fact, a good for the country because in a, a single government, they will have to moderate the rhetoric, especially one that casts the other as an existential threat? Yeah, that's that's uh, interesting. Uh, and and as uh, um, politics began to loosen up um, here in Malaysia, as it became more competitive, one of the ways in which we used to be able to see that, and and to say that uh, Malaysia in fact operated with a somewhat of a democratic regime, was by noting how many um, state level governments, state level assemblies, could then be controlled by opposition parties and coalitions. So, uh, you know, quite apart from uh, what the policy substance might be of this uh, new compromise coalition in uh, the all-important state of Parak, um, whatever, you know, the coloration that uh, the coalition might have, again, whatever policies it might produce, just in terms of, you know, how this unfolded, uh, the kinds of procedures that were followed, uh, the, the fact then that, uh, you know, look, here's a, that here's a state government that is potentially operated by a coalition and opposition. I mean, that's the way it looks uh, at the moment to me. Um, you know, this all augurs well, I, I think, for the kinds of uh, democratic content and uh, the democratic credentials that, uh, that Malaysia can, uh, can, claim to, can claim to have. So that's, uh, yeah, I, I see it just in procedural terms. This may have some uh, a beneficial outcome. I, and I see many facets of this whole election that do seem to indicate that uh, uh, democracy is on the rise in this country in some respects. William, do you get a sense of what the people want? Because there's a lot of elite level politicking going on right now. But let's say if you look at the Pakatan Harapan supporters, would they do they would they rather have a Anwar led Pakatan Harapan government, or would they rather uh, you know Pakatan Harapan be uncompromising in their principles and say you know in this situation we cannot come to any sort of uh, you know negotiations with everyone, uh, you know result with anyone without compromising some principles. So we're just gonna. Um, you know, sit in the opposition bench. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's the great question, of course. You know, how much uh, compromising, how much pragmatism can uh, Pakistan hold up and follow now, um, and still be able to sell it to its more principled and idealistic followings? Um, after all, this is supposed to be a party that uh, represents democratic change and inclusion. It is multiracial. It is multi-ethnic. It is meant to promote good governance, uh, and so. And, you know, it, so it's going to be it's going to be somewhat tricky um, again to uh, you know present this new imagery of uh, this extraordinary deep-seated um, sense of pragmatism. But, uh, William, uh, sorry, just yeah, very quickly. Ahead. I mean, just to follow up on that, the alternative, of course, would be to allow Perikatan uh, uh, National uh, along, which is of course substantially pass, to then take the lead. And the right. argument also could be made that this is holding back the tide of both religious conservatism and also more extreme ethno-nationalism. Yeah, you put your finger right on it. That's that, that's uh, that's an excellent point to make, and it's a way to in which to approach uh, again Pakistan's more idealistic followings out there and say, look, you know this this government that we're putting together, 
this unity government uh, that includes unknown bodies in, look, it's the best deal you're going to get. Um, and in consequence, hopefully you can uh, accept it at that level. Um, so, But it's a, it's a fair question to ask, too. Okay, let's say that uh, um, Perikatan does come to power. And you're right, the major thrust behind that is PAS. Um, what are their commitments to democracy? I mean, that raises a really interesting question, I think, because never have they been so powerful before. And while they always did play by the democratic rules of the game in the past, now that they have such presence, uh, it might be time then to push aside. This might be their calculation. And if I were Pakatan, this is what I would say. We just can't trust um, pass in office power of this kind. We don't know what the implications for democracy may be. And uh, in consequence, uh, pass may um, erode or severely compromise uh, this country's democratic institutions. So we're the best we're going to – this is the best you're going to do. There's also the urgency, of course, that has to do with uh, Anwar himself. Um, as we've been told, this is certainly his uh, his last election. This is his very last chance. So I think that uh, in personal terms, too, it's probably, uh, you know, it, we could probably expect that uh, this is the time to make his move. William, do you think uh, negotiations would have been a little bit easier if Zaid Hamidi, who's the president of AMNO, steps down? Because within AMNO, there's been a lot of calls for him to step down. For example, Sharil Hamdan released a statement yesterday calling for the president to step down. I think um, the likes of Kairi Jamaluddin and all are in that camp mm-hmm. as well. Um, because prior to the elections, the, the whole idea of not voting for Barisan this time around was a vote for Barisan would be a vote for Zahid. Uh, yes, that's, uh, that, that, that's right. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's quite right. Um, I, but uh, it does appear that uh, if Zaid were to be, Ahmad Zaid were to be forced out, and if he were to take his followings with him, and if he were then unable, I guess, to navigate or guide the party more generally, uh, it looks pretty clear that uh, Barisan would then tilt towards Pedicatan. And in which case, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult call to make. But I, I think, yes, yeah, so you're right. Negotiations would be made easier, but uh, the outcome of those negotiations would probably tilt uh, towards what he got done. Uh, well, we have about two minutes left. I want to talk about the Borneo block uh, to the extent that it exists. What do you see uh, happening there? They didn't, don't seem to have uh, in, insinuated themselves into the heart of these negotiations. Yeah, well, I think it's difficult for them. Uh, it's uh, look, they too are playing, uh, taking a very pragmatic angle here and strategizing, I guess, in very self-interested ways. Um, and you know, so basically, I think what the parties in East Malaysia want, and especially GPS, is kind of autonomy and a new, a new, uh, a new kind of dominance over the politics of, of Sarawak. And so, the way in which to do that, I guess, would probably be to cut a deal. Um, with Parikatan. Now that's going to be difficult because we know that um, PAS has said so many unfavorable things um, in the past with regard to Christianity, questions of identity, uh, and the like. And that's not going to go down well um, with many of the citizens who live in East Malaysia. And the uh, GPS knows that, and in consequence, right, uh, that may be one of the reasons, I guess, that it has been so cautious so far. But uh, nonetheless, we'll ultimately be able to sell that to its followings by saying that, again, you know, this is the best deal you're going to get. It augurs most strongly for the autonomy uh, of Sarawak. And uh, it does put us in a position then, too, when we can negotiate for more. And indeed, they have presented, uh, even if negotiations are slow, uh, the list of demands has been uh, um, a very vigorous one. 
And on that note, thank you so much for joining me, to, joining us today, William. That was William Case. He's a professor at, and head of School of Politics, History and International Relations at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia campus. All right, we do need to go for a very quick break um, and, and also the news bulletin. After the news bulletin, we'll have a constitutional lawyer, Nusin Yu. He'll be joining us to continue this discussion, clear up some confusion surrounding constitutional issues or surrounding the drama. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.